Keys with it, man! Whoa! He's gone to give him out, and then he's rubbed his nose. Rubbed his bitchy nose. <laughs> yeah. What about to McCullum? Shane? He might be trying to shake the sweet one after that first one. I might try and slide one in there. Fast. Yeah! Well, you yeah, called it. Let's run out. Let's run out. Let's come on, Sam. Yeah, no, he's going. Sometimes. You'll never see that again. Yeah, you think you've seen it all, don't you? Hello and welcome to the SC Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Williams. This week's podcast will be covering Supercoach BBL rounds 9 and 10. Happy New Year to everyone while we're at it. I uh, hope you behaved, had a good time, got through things unscathed, better than a few of us here, I'd reckon. Uh, joining us for today's show, covering the double round, is the one and only Maxie Bryden. Maxie, how are you, mate? G'day, mate. It's going well. Um, definitely on the mend, although my Supercoach season's Probably heading in the uh, the wrong direction, but otherwise, mate, uh, still enjoying the summer of cricket, as I hope you boys are all as well. Mate, it's been a chaotic couple of rounds of Supercoach. Between just things like, obviously, the, the COVID interference, the Melbourne Stars getting hammered there, the Sydney Sixers game getting rained out, obviously being a super popular Supercoach team, it's been a lot of luck involved, unless you're the spy who's on top of luck and doesn't leave it to that, who's gone soaring up the charts. But Maxi, how's your team? You mentioned you're going backwards a little bit. Um, how are you tracking at the moment? Yeah, look, I had a pretty big slide. Um, I've never lost 2,400 places um, in a Ooh. single week before. Um, but Benny McDermott, unfortunately, did me dirty twice. Um, I, I missed him in the double. Um, he was a, someone I thought long and hard about and was definitely – um, going to skip her, but missed him and missed his sort of 600 and, or 700 points that came off the back of that. Um, and then when I did bring him in last week for the single game round and, and skip at him, he got a big fat duck egg. So um, I've 2,299th um, after round seven, which was 500 places better than the week before. But um, look, it's been rough. Um, I, I held a lot of Melbourne stars thinking that their draw was quite good after their double game week, and that sort of bit me in the backside. But um, look, and that's maybe that's why you don't plan. Maybe that's why you do this just for fun, not, not take it too seriously because, boy, it has been hard. Mate, if only we're all capable of doing that. It has been bloody tough work. Uh, a guy, as mentioned before, who is on the up, and it's been a rollercoaster season for him, but he's back on track big time. It is the one and only Supercoach Spy. Spy, how are you, mate? G'day, fellas. Yeah, just on holidays at the moment, which is nice. Got a few weeks off. Um, so just watching cricket. Having some beers, going to the beach, all the good stuff in life. BBL was. Um, it's been a roller coaster, but that's what BBL is for mine. I was sitting, I was having a little look here. After two weeks, two rounds, I was 270th, then 490th. I then had the world's worst double game week with the Scorchers. <laughs> I just picked all, we know how well they score. I just had the wrong blokes. They all had shockers. I didn't have Agar, Ty, and all these boys that went well. Uh, and I dropped to 3,200s in the space of three days, which wasn't great. Uh, but then I've made a little run since then, got back in some form. I actually ended up trusting the Scorchers boys that failed me, and they sort of came good, which was nice. As well as that, uh, I took a punt on the weather. It's There's so many games, it's hard to keep up. But in the Sydney Sixers match that got rained out the other night, I took a punt that that was going to happen and had no one from that game. Uh, and it came off, so that was that was a bit of a bonus. And I'm looking at, looking at doing something similar this upcoming round. So we'll see how we go. But sitting 570th again, so we've evened out, and we'll see if we can keep that skyrocketing with a bit of luck. Good to hear, mate. And it, it's a great point you make. I mean, we speak about it over and over again, but the opportunity to jump and drop places significantly in Supercoach Big Bash. Um, it, it's massive. It can happen so quickly, as we all know, as we're all finding out, and we get. This gets reiterated to us time and time again every season. So don't be too disheartened if you are falling down. There is a chance to make it up. Uh, or you could just fall even further back. Who knows? Also joining us today, we've got the four of us today. The quartet, it is the 20, I believe, 1920 Supercoach Big Bash champion, Tomo Aitken. Tomo, how are you, mate? Yeah, good. Thanks, Timmy. G'day, boys. I've been a bit more like Maxi. I wish I was a bit more like Spy with a bit of a slide over the last couple of weeks. So I think leading into this round, I was about 1,300. I, too, had a few stars and a large number of scorches, so that cancelled game was not ideal. Um, but with Supercoach, you just roll with the punches, traded some of those guys out, got some Adelaide players in, got McDermott in for a zero. It looked like a, tas- <laughs> it looked like a tasty matchup against the Heat. Um, but, yeah, Maxi, I feel your pain. I suppose that's Supercoach, ups and downs. 
and looking forward to rounds nine and ten and coming across and making some decisions, whatever comes our way. That's it, mate. Uh, plenty of time to come good after a couple of tough weeks. The Kuma Stallions are in the exact same boat as you two boys, unfortunately, in the sense we've dropped back to 1,800. Uh, having a really good week this week at the moment, so hopefully when lockout ends I can get towards that top 1,000 again, but uh, the wet weather has absolutely killed me. I also went toe-to-toe with New Year's Eve. Uh, came out second best in that one. My supercoach side was the the big loser from that. Got sidetracked with, with other priorities. Got in Dan Christian and Sean Abbott for that rain-affected game in was it Coffs Harbour and uh, copped a couple of duck eggs there. So some rookie super coaching. Um, so you won't hear much from me on me this week. I need to uh, get back on track on that one. Uh, but we'll see how we go when lockout ends and, and be looking a little bit better. It's a bit like, just one note to keep an eye on before round nine kicks off. Unfortunately, a large contingent of the, the Pommy players are being sent back to England early ahead of their upcoming West Indies tour. They've been told by the ECB to head back there. Um, we will get confirmation of this, but we believe they, they're set to be back in England by January 7 to isolate and get prepared for that. Um, but there'll be more information coming out in coming days. But we believe the following players won't play a game this tournament. Uh, there's Vince, Billings, Topley, Garten, Mills and Mahmood. Um, do check that up right around 9, 10, and we'll obviously have news across our socials and in our articles. So it'll all be there before things kick off for you. Boys, the first topic for this week's podcast, uh, it's one directed at Maxi because we mentioned it last week, but I know Maxi's got a few strong thoughts on on the season review thus far. Maxi wasn't on the podcast. Uh, so keen to get Maxi your thoughts on basically what you've made it of the season, obviously with a super coach focus. Um, how have things changed in your mind? And I suppose strategy-wise, what's worked and hasn't worked and, and what may have changed to, to past seasons? Yeah, thanks, Timmy. Um, look, it's been a wild and unprecedented year. Um, and that's even before you look at COVID um, and, and some of the rain and stuff that's happened. Um, I think for me, my traditional strategy has been um, round one to just find those season-long keepers, particularly guys um, all-rounders who I can hold in my batter's spot who will bowl. The likes of Curran, Sams, Maxwell, um, they've been in my team for, for, for many years to come um, and they probably will be after this year. But it's been really, really hard to find a keeper. I think we've seen scoring rates lift um, uh, in actual cricket, which has meant less bowling bonuses. Um, it's just made it more difficult to kind of hold these guys and they've hurt a lot of coaches um, by just not delivering those 65-plus sort of averages that you'd, you'd expect from from some of these keepers and, and most of those guys are sort of in the 50s or, or lowers. Um, I, I think for me, I also went about my typical approach by playing the doubles very aggressively, which paid off really well with the sixes in round one. Um, but I think what we have started to really notice is that doubles are great and they're fantastic, but picking the right double is just as important as playing them um, uh, generally. Uh, an example of that, the strikers in round two, they had the Renegades and the Scorchers for their two double game weeks, and um, a lot of people would have flipped sixes or heat players to the strikers in round two. Um, and while they did okay in that first match, in the game against Perth, they got absolutely smashed, uh, and their team total score for Supercoach points was only 238, um, which was the second lowest score of any team um, throughout the season. The only one who was worse was the Stars on opening night against the Sixers where they got absolutely walloped by um, a record margin. So instead of picking up the Strikers, for example, if you had pivoted away to potentially some guys who were undervalued to start the season with, um, you would have not only benefited from the price rises that those guys are bringing in, but there were some really good players who um, we probably just missed who, who have scored pretty consistently well all season. The likes of Andrew Ty started at about 136K and was brilliant. Kane Richardson. He's been in a terrible team for two years, but his pedigree is amazing, and he's got a little bit more support in the bowlers this year. He was about 150K, and he's been consistently 180K after about that round two. Um, Zaheer started well. Tanvir started well. So I think um, being able to pick the right double game week um, is now just as important as playing the double. Another example, the Stars, round three. They looked the goods, you know. It was almost who... You know, who can you fit in because you've got Stoinis, Zampas, Andre Russell, Glenn Maxwell, these big-name players, Nathan Coulter-Nile, to name a couple. Um, but honestly, they were really poor. 
Um, they didn't. They don't. They don't take many wickets, um, and they play in low-scoring games for the most part in that double. And their combined uh, score for those two games was only seven hundred and sixty-eight points. You compare that to the Sydney Sixers, who in round one scored twelve hundred points collectively as a team on their double. Um, and basically, anyone who brought in three stars that week has really suffered because not only did they score poorly, but they also lost a lot of cash. Um, conversely, a lot of the guys at the top of the table, and we had um, Fish talking about it on the podcast recently as well. If you had brought in Mitch Marsh early. Um, um, over, say, an Andre Russell um, or a Marcus Stoinis, who was about 150k at that point, um, you would have benefited from the century that he scored um, that game and then had him in and ready to, to load up big on those doubles. So that's been a really, really big lesson for me um, is just sort of picking um, picking the doubles, picking the right doubles um, and really looking for those undervalued guys to start the year, not just the premium guys that you can set and forget, but someone whose role's improved, someone who was potentially out of form, um, who you think can come good, um, someone who might be a young player who's just going to be better for the experience like a Tanvir Sanger. Um, I, I think that if I'd sort of rebuilt my squad again from the start, look, I probably wouldn't have been 150th to start round one and within that top 300 for the first six rounds. But I would have say um, right now I'd be in a better spot. I'd have more cash. I'd have better balance in my squad. Um, I wouldn't be chasing as much as I am at the moment. So, Maxi, you're, uh, you're in favour of the, the long game strategy is what you're saying there, which Supercoach Playbook podcast listeners would know all about. <laughs> Look, I, I think so. I, I probably was a little bit too Des Creek to, to, to play this year <laughs> to start with. But I, I think sort of more than anything, it's it's about almost respecting the phases of the game, even though it's only a 13-round competition. Um, the, there's a lot more experience in players from AFL and NRL in the different periods of the Supercoach game in terms of building your cash, building your squad, navigating the buys, and, and then, you know, hopefully having a gun team to finish the year. I think that if you take that strategy and, and sort of condense it for BBL, um, you'll probably find yourself in a pretty damn good position. Yeah, fair play, mate. And that's it. We, we, we can become a little bit too accustomed. I think we get in a, a train of thought that the season is very short. Um, it comes and goes and you don't think about cash generation too much or that long game strategy. But while the season's short time-wise in terms of being sort of all over and done within under two months, there's a lot of rounds in that time. So, you know, it does work in similar ways. Spy, anything to add there, mate, on what uh, what Maxie's just said? Uh, just a couple of quick thoughts around how I'm thinking about things at the moment, boys. Obviously, there's a lot changing with weather, COVID, international call-ups, blokes going home and all the rest. So what I've been doing is just taking it two rounds at a time looking ahead those two rounds, which is what our podcast does well, which is good. I find that gives you a nice little short-term target of to who to get, and then you'll get that opportunity to do the next two rounds moving forward and moving forward again. Uh, what I am finding is there's not a heap of genuine keepers that are locked in to their roles due to all of those reasons mentioned above. So you can be adaptable. And what I'm trying to do at the moment is basically just get as many decent players on the paddock that I'm pretty sure are going to play that is dry weather not looking at an international call up hopefully no COVID within the squad all that stuff just because if you can get 11 bikes on the field and sometimes if rain rain matches happen other sides have eight that's a lot of points as long as your players are de- decent it doesn't mean you chase dud blokes or average dudes but if you can find someone that you half like and their schedule looks pretty good moving forward over those two rounds, which might be two or three games, then I'm looking to lock those guys in. Uh, Another strategy, just quickly, is just trusting that guys that you have will come good. I think Maxwell right now is the perfect example of that. He is down in the dump super coach-wise. He's not scoring well, but he did hit 100, like, what, one, two weeks ago. So he's the kind of bloke that I'm happy to hold on to while others sell. Uh, And now that I've made my money throughout the season, I'm at the stage of just chasing those points, not worrying too much about price loss. McDermott's similar in that people will try to sell him once his break-even goes through the roof. I think he's the perfect hold while others sell uh, because he scores another tonne, which is every chance of doing, you're going to skyrocket. But uh, yeah, just being adaptable and, um, and getting blokes on the paddock. Yeah, it's it's again, plenty of good points made there, Spy. And the one that I like is one that perhaps needed a lot of foresight, but uh, it also wasn't a complete surprise, was that COVID's come in and impacted the tournament. Um, you know, we, we won't get into the deep details of all that, but a Big Bash Supercoach has in the past been a competition where, or a game, I should, suppose I should say, where 
you pretty well, you know, when the double game weeks are on, when the buys are on, and you shouldn't have too much trouble fielding a full side. But we've seen in recent weeks, particularly with the Stars and a few other impacting clubs, that getting a full team on deck has been really hard. So perhaps rather than looking at all these AE loops as valuable as they are, um, the tactic should have been getting, you know, somewhat near a, a full squad of active players in your team. Um, it hasn't been too bad so far, but the next few rounds, it could be really bad. So maybe focus on getting a few of those AEs out of your team, the non-playing reserves, uh, into active players. Tomo, what do you reckon, mate? Yeah, Timmy, I think you're right. Look, personally, I'm looking at some depth and I've got people like Nielsen and Will Sutherland that I really want to try and get out of my side just to build that depth because I think you're right, it is going to be important. Building on what Spy said, I suppose personally what's been most evident for me this year is that value of a role or more specifically that changing role. So there's names that in previous years you wouldn't consider, but this year you've really got to consider for your side just because their role has changed. You know, Matt Short this year, playing at the top of the order, rolling the arm over, has turned himself into someone you could play in your team. Curtis Patterson playing really well, presenting himself as an option, especially for the Scorchers double. He's got three very decent super scores opening the batting. Tom Rogers from the Hurricanes, you know, previously nine wickets in 12 games, but because of the time, his form and the time, he's bowling early surge and depth he's presenting himself as an option and even if we look at just a very small example ben cutting recently as soon as he's promoted up the order he starts to score and comes as a super coach potential we know that the thunder are going to get players back but just showed or reaffirmed to myself that the role is so important regardless of the name in super coach and if we look at someone like um hughes from the sixes he has the same role as last year and he has sort of the big score in him, but he's producing this year kind of what we've seen in other years. So that role, a changing role, is really important. Mm. Yeah, there would have been no happier bloke on the planet than the spy when, granted it was due to uh, unforeseen circumstances, when Benny Cutting was named open. The spy absolutely loves a pinch hitter at the top of the order. Uh, it's a bit of a throw at the stumps, can get the game going early. So we would have been very happy with that one. Maxi, anything to wrap up this topic? Yeah, look, there's really, really good points, and I think this chat's great, and um, it's it's great stuff to also just try and document while it's fresh in your mind, so that next year you can avoid all the mistakes we've made this year. But I think the the other thing which has been a really big change this year, um, Tommy, your point on roles huge, and I think that the other thing is just form. Um, this year, the tournament's been condensed. Um, it typically runs from late December until kind of mid-Feb. Um, this year, it was early December until late Jan, and there's sort of more games in less days. And what that really has meant is that players who show form in one game, they're carrying it into the next. And that's why um, the rookies uh, and, and the people who have made the most cash this year, they're really different. Um, traditionally, we find that it's like a 42K or a 62.5K bowler who just all of a sudden is getting his four overs and is able to pick up those sneaky bonuses and sneaky wickets, kind of like what Hayden Kerr has done this year. But the big movers and shakers this year, there's have been guys with the bat, Jason Sanger, Matt Renshaw, even Joe Clark of late, Curtis Patterson. These guys have come in and just they've had one good score. They've found form. They're able just to connect innings after innings and just really, really start to score big. Um, I think that more so than any other year, because those games are happening in such quick succession, if a guy looks like he's in form, particularly if he's done it two times in a row, um, there's every chance that he can he can just keep going. We saw it with McDermott. Before the two tons, there was a couple of half centuries. Joe Clark, 350s in a row and started the double game week really, really well before he got COVID. Jason Sanger, absolutely ballistic. I know the spy brought him in and now he's bowling, looks absolutely famous. Um, guys that we basically ignored um, in the cheapies preview have just gone on and done really, really good stuff. So um, that's been the big difference this year and something to keep in mind next year if it's the same length tournament. Yeah, good chat there, boys. You've, uh, you've come back from the, the New Year period better than I expected, fresh as daisies and still got a few good things to say. Guys, throwing out a feeler for anyone interested in coming on board the SC Playbook podcast and website as a sponsor for the 2022 NRL season, uh, also covering AFL Supercoach in 2022. If you wanted to support the podcast and expose yourself to our growing audience, get in touch at supercoachplaybook at gmail.com. All one word, no abbreviation in Supercoach. Uh, from there, we can pass on any further details of the partnership opportunity if you're interested in getting on board. 
Fellas, let's get stuck into the double game week sides, which we know are very important to preview uh, going in each week. We won't spend as much time on individual clubs this week because there are four double game week teams in the next two weeks. Um, but we'll just have a look at how we're going to attack the double game week. Well, there's two in a row coming up. The first double game week being round nine is the Scorchers and Strikers, followed by the Thunder and the Hurricanes. Um, so I'll start with you, Tomo. How are you going to attack it? Um, are there any team preferences that you'll be going for, teams that you'll be avoiding, um, draws, venues that you're looking at? Um, and then we can chat about the players we're looking at trading in uh, after a bit of a discussion about that. Yeah, sure thing, mate. Look, I've got a few thoughts, but even I don't know exactly what sort of path my trade-outs and trade-ins are going to look like at this stage. I suppose looking to next week's double, we've got the Strikers, the Strikers play at home against the Hurricanes and they also play at home against the Stars. The Strikers are not a sensational team themselves, but the Hurricanes, they're pretty decent, but they do have the odd poorer performance in them. I guess the big question mark is against the Stars and what sort of Stars lineup we're going to see. The Scorchers are a quality, quality team. They play both Sydney teams who are quality teams as well. At the moment, uh, there's a big weather watch on the Scorchers. So overall, on team ability, you'd want Scorchers. But then when you factor in possible weather and the opposition, the Strikers may be just a little bit better than we anticipate. I don't know if I'd want a lot of Strikers in my team, but they might be a little bit better. Then the one that really interests me is the Round 10 double, where you've got the Hurricanes and the Thunder and they actually play against each other on the double there. Um, the Thunder play the Renegades away. Um, there could be lots of points on offer there at Marvel. Uh, the Hurricanes have the Heat away. Um, I think Thunder and Hurricanes are also interesting because they've got a few options from both teams that you might want to bring in. Um, yeah, I'm still really up in the air, but I think if I'm looking at the Round 9 or the Round 10, doubles the round 10 doubles maybe look a tad more appealing overall interesting mate and it's a, it's a good call on that weather watch uh that'll obviously be in the final word each week we'll keep that each round we'll keep that updated to to keep things as close to possible so we know how to prepare uh maxi i'll throw to you because i know you were possibly a little bit similar to learn leaning towards the second double game week in round 10 uh in particular, Thunder's players, a certain Thunder player by the name of Sanger of the Tanvir variety who gets a couple of cracks or a crack at the at Marvel Stadium. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Tom, I think, has summarised it really well. Um, I think that I'm probably going to just try and grab one from each um, and not go super heavy on, on, on either club. Obviously, a big watcher on the rain. Um, but I think going early on the Thunder um, or even Hobart, again, bringing some guys back um, into into my team um, could be the go just given that I do like both of the, their double game week matchups for their teams. Um, the Thunder played the Renegades at Marvel. Um, we know it spins there and Tanvi Sanger, I think, has shown um, he's a really quality player this year. The only watch on that, I guess, is that um, the Renegades have got so many left-handers in their lineups with um, Sean Marsh, Mackenzie Harvey, Nick Maddinson, even... Um, Seymour, who played uh, last night as an X-Factor, which might mean that Chris Green um, could be the ticket, just given that they're more likely to bowl off-spin um, at all those left-handers rather than that. Um, but look, saying as a guy, I, I mentioned him earlier in the podcast, um, he could have been a perfect sort of set and forget um, at, a, at a pretty decent price. I think he was about 130k to start the year, and he's about that now again after having a, a hot run and then a cold run of form. Um, he's a big watch. And, and the other guy as well, um, the big quick from Pakistan, um, who took three for none in his first over against the Adelaide Strikers. Um, I think this week could be the week to, to bring in him. Was it like an um, 80 or 90 point over? Yeah, 81 point over. And I'm, I feel sorry, I just can't remember his name off the top of my head. <laughs> um, I think it might be Hussain, but... Um, 
he 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 could be a fantastic guy um, to bring in this week. Um, again, you've only, the only thing you, that would prevent me from doing that would just be the weather watch. Um, given that the leading into the double game week, the Sydney Thunder play the Scorchers in um, what we're thinking is going to be a potentially rainy match uh, up on the Gold Coast as well. But look, I think it makes sense. That the strikers, as Tomo said, they're really scoring poorly from a super coach perspective. Um, Scorchers are doing well, but they've never been tested like they have now with their squad depth as well, given they've lost Mills, Marsh, Kelly to COVID um, and potentially even some more that we might not know of. Um, so that's where I'm leaning, definitely looking late. Um, and then the Renegades have got a double game week as well, to like the last one of the season. There's not a lot of interest in that for me, but um, I think Hobart and Thunder, that's where I'll hopefully make up some ground by just going early on both of those doubles. Yeah, Muhammad has Nain is your man there. So if you're a fan of blokes who take three for none in one over and get 81 Supercoach points, uh, he could be your man. Spy, what have you got for us, mate? We know you're, you're a deep thinker. We know you think ahead. You're a strategy man. What have you got for us? Boys, I've got some very strong comments on this. Uh, first of all, let's start with the Perth Scorchers. I cannot trust that Gold Coast weather as far as I could throw it. They got a back-to-back game Wednesday and Thursday night. Uh, at this stage, I'm getting zero per scorchers for their double, which sounds yeah. madness. But if it rains out or it's both short and then it's going to be horrendous scoring. The beauty is I can have a look right up until 6 o'clock Wednesday night, which is tomorrow at the moment, uh, and that's three hours before the match starts. We can see how the weather is on the Goldie at Carrara there uh, and see what it looks like. Yeah, like it. Uh, Maxie, what, anything to add there? Yeah, just a question. Um, I'll throw this one out to Spy, but I'm, I'm really keen for Tomo's thoughts as well. The, the beauty for me of the two teams on the double is that you get a really good crack um, at the VC loop. Um, I, I know personally um, I'll, I'll probably use someone like a Rashid Khan from Adelaide who plays game one um, as a VC loop, and I'll probably hold Joe Clark and the COVID ward um, from the Melbourne Stars as my potential looper. But... Um, I guess the question is, would the Spy or Tomo give up on uh, holding any Scorchers in their squad um, just to even just being able to uh, say that they might miss that double game week captain for the round? Spy, anything to add there, mate? Yeah, I'm not going to overthink captaincy, mate. Um, It'll purely be based on the weather. I'll find a hopefully good captain elsewhere, although Maxi let me down this round. I'm not going to overthink it. If I'm going to take a punt on the weather, that's what I'll do, uh, and we'll, we'll go from there. Yeah, like it. Tomo? Yeah, look, I've already got Mills and Ty in my side, so I'll probably just have to wait and see. But Ty could be a good captain if we got enough cricket uh, over those couple of days. So fingers crossed that we can so I can captain him. Spy, your thoughts on Ty, or you're just again? Uh, no, I just wanted, to, just wanted to carry on a little bit with uh, the other sides coming up with the doubles. So we've, we spoke about the Adelaide Strikers. The real upside for the Strikers is they play the first match tomorrow. We'll know their side. The weather's good. So if you can get a, a side with good weather, they have good weather next round as well, I believe, then I'll be keen to lock four of the, those blokes in. I already own Rashid, Matty Short and Renshaw, who are all doing a good job. So... Add in someone, even like a Siddle, that sort of basement price, you've got four of those guys. But where I want to go is the Mighty Hobart Hurricanes, who I quite like. I've got a bit of a soft spot for him, being a Ricky Ponting man. Uh, there's f- there's five I'm targeting for their double, and I may even use my trades to get them this upcoming round and go early. Again, they've got one match with good weather, then their, their double looks good. So it's just locking in decent dudes who you can trust with good weather. Uh, that's what I'm all about. And the Thunder are similar, except that we spoke about it before, their weather's not great. So I already own two of the guys from the Thunder. I'll just hold them through this round, bench them if necessary if it rains, and then grab three more Thunder for their double in the upcoming round. Uh, but in order of that, I really like the Hurricanes. I love the Thunder for round 10. I quite like the Strikers as an underrated, safe guys who are playing type role, and the Scorchers could well be in the void. Yep, very nice, mate. Hey, boys, I've asked you to give me your – I wanted you to name two players that you'll – if you could only have two players from each of those four teams, who would they be? And then that follows on to trades and skippers, but I honestly don't think there's any point going into that too much because – with these COVID changes, uh, the rain that's about, it's just, it's hard yakka at the moment, um, recording this a couple of days out. 
So if we can just go through, ideally, if we can get two players from each of those teams, who would they be? Tomo, I'll start with you. Sure. Uh, strikers, I've sort of split mine up into batters and bowlers. So for bowler, I'm going to go Rashid Khan. And from a batting perspective, it's toss of the coin between Short and Renshaw. But because Short is rolling the arm over with some sort of regularity, especially with the lineup Adelaide had last week, I'd say Short. Hobart, I missed McDermott the first double. I'm not going to do that the second time. Uh, bowling perspective from the Hurricanes is hard because they, as a pace bowling packer in a bit of a groove, I'd pick out Ellis. Uh, Perth. I uh, don't think we'll see Mitch Marsh. I'd have to say that from the batting perspective, Munro, the bowling perspective, Ty. Uh, the Thunder, I'm going to back Alex Hales when he comes back, just particularly at his price. I think it'll be a great price, and history in BBL suggests that he'll hit some form at some stage. And from the bowling perspective, I'm with Maxi Tanvir Sanger for me. Yeah, um, Spies boy Alex Hales at 104k at the moment. He's looking very cheap. Hey, Maxi, who are your blokes from those four sides? Yeah, pretty similar to Tomo's. Um, I like from the strikers, Khan. Um, from a bat perspective, um, I like Renshaw, um, a, a bottom dollar cheapie who's just in a really, really good groove, uh, averaging 55 for the season so far in Supercoach and, and loves Adelaide Oval as well. So with those, those two home games... Um, and the fact that he did well against Hobart last time, I think he's pretty good buying um, and, and could even, you know, should have a great break even again and, and make you a bit of cash as a bit of a, um, uh, a nice sort of backup plan there. Um, from the Perth Scorchers, yeah, got to be Munro. Again, just amazing form. Um, I think from a bowling perspective, I've wanted Andrew Tice into round two. I couldn't afford him by 6K. So um, next round might be the, the one to, to go. Um, uh, at the Sydney Thunder, um, you, I, most people already have Dan Sams, but um, he's pretty good, albeit um, he's been very hot and cold this year and, and probably caused me a bit more, more angst than um, I would love out of my premium gun. Um, but still averaging close enough to, to 60, which is okay. Um, with the bat, I think Jason Sanger, and I think it's just riding the hot hand. Um, what we've seen, not only from just his form, but just the fact that he's rolling the arm over. I mean, he he, he finally got found out against the Adelaide Strikers the other night, but then he came in and took two wickets, which was just so annoying um, for someone who, who missed out on him. And I, I went Billings um, you know, at the same time that a lot of people bought in him. Um, so I, I like that. And Hobart, um, I'm a Tom Rogers man. Um, he's a guy who I specifically wrote um, wasn't worth considering uh, <laughs> in the cheapy options in the preseason just based on how poor he's been in this tournament um, to date. But um, he's looked amazing. He's looked quick. He's bowled um, really aggressively and, and, and taken wickets. And um, I'm really, really excited to get him off my bench and back into my team um, next round. And uh, batting-wise, yeah, look, why not? Benny McDermott, um, hopefully he can finally do something good for me, um, having owned him for two rounds now and for, for a zero and a buy. Yeah, mate. Uh, Benny owes you big time on that one. Uh, Tom, anything to add on on Maxi's thoughts? Yeah, just a quick question for Maxi. When Tanvir comes back, do you expect Jason Sanger to still get the cheeky over or two? I think the Sydney Thunder have traditionally really rotated their bowlers um, and bowled based on matchups and conditions more so than um, a team like the Sixers who have a pretty sort of set um, in stone plan. Um, there's definitely a world where they can both exist um, as leg spinners in the squad, um, particularly against a team who might have a lot of right-handers, in which case Chris Green sort of might sort of step back. Um, I think the fact that he's bowled well and taken wickets in his last couple of matches really increases Sanger's likelihood of continuing to bowl in the tournament, um, especially at grounds like Marvel that, that take, um, take spin well. Um, the, just like the Sydney showground does their home ground. There, there is a bit of a rumour swirling that um, a, a hub might take all of the remaining Sydney games to Melbourne as well, which would, I think, have the Thunder um, with two more um, projected home games moved down there. And again, if they're at Marvel, um, there's every chance that saying it continues to roll out. They just might bowl nothing but spin um, Sydney Thunder. They're kind of blessed like that. Spy, who are your men? 
Jumping through it, boys. We got at the Perth Scorchers, Colin Munro's the form batsman there, although a shout out to Curtis Pattinson. Uh, and I agree with AJ Ty. He's, he's, bowling, he's bowling nice. He's bowling the good overs for wickets. So I think they're my two boys there. From the Strikers, um, Rashid Khan. I don't think he's quite as deadly as previous seasons, but he's, he's pretty safe to lock and load for a double. Uh, we'll get to antipods later potentially, but I would uh, potentially avoid captaining him though, maybe as an antipod play. And Matty Short, I'll tell you what, if a bloke's due for a quick fire 40 off 14, it's him. He cannot get past 16 at the moment. Uh, so that'll happen soon. And also if they can start catching, he's due a wicket as well. He's not bowling too badly. So Rashid Khan and Matty Short for me. Um, at the Thunder, yeah, Sanger, he's my boy now, officially. Uh, he's earned the title, say him. And um, you know what? I was going to say Daniel Sams, but possibly Husnain, the Pakistan bowler, watching him the other night. Uh, he looked phenomenal. I'm very keen to get him in, uh, but I can guarantee you I will own Sanger, Sams, Husnain, and Alex Hales. Uh, they'll hopefully get the job done for me. Over to the Hurricanes. Obviously, McDermott, um, just just hold on to him unless you're desperate for cash. He's on fire. He was always going to score a low score eventually, uh, but he'll bounce back surely. And it's tricky out of the rest of them. I think they're pretty evenly balanced and they all have potential, but I'm going to stick with Matty Wade. He's too good to keep failing. So they're my two at the Canes. Nice, mate. Uh, just on skippers for the next two rounds, for those of you out there listening, round nine, on the double, I think we've touched on it at times during the show, a little bit scattered, but strikers in terms of double teams play the first game, so put your vice-captain on them, and then your captain on the scorches, sort of weather-pending a little bit, of course, in that one. As far as round 10 double goes, we've got in the first game of the round the Sydney Thunder, so put your VC on them, and then your captain into the Hobart Hurricanes, who then play in game two and are also on the double there. Boys, let's jump into our pod and antipod plays for the week. I'm going to kick us off very briefly. Not really a pod play, not really an antipod play, but I did want to touch on it. Ben McDermott at 262K at the time of recording was 10% of all trade-outs in Supercoach. So people obviously looking at price. Uh, they're looking at his low score last round going, oh, let's cash in like people may have missed the opportunity to do it with Philippi and they think they didn't want to do it again. But just note this. Break even of 24, obviously the Hurricanes are on the buy. Um, I suspect people are, are going to look at selling him again to cash in on that price. But basically in round nine, leading into the Hurricanes double, if he gets anything over 24, which is very likely to form he's in, he's actually going to make money before his break even goes through the roof due to last week's last round score. Um, you're then going to want him for the double anyway um, with that high break even. So I just don't see why you would sell Ben McDermott. I don't see why 10% of people did it. Uh, maybe they didn't quite think ahead, but I would not be selling Benny McDermott for my team, holding through to that double. Uh, and then if he's still at a decent price there with a high break, even you, you can look to sell him after the double if you're after that cash. On to our pods and antipods. Uh, Tomo, what have you got? Yeah, sure. So one I haven't got written down here, but I thought Sean Marsh looked pretty decent in his first game back. So he's one to consider, wouldn't be very popular. Uh, my real one that I've had a look at and I will consider potentially bringing in is McAndrew from the Thunder, who's around about 3%, and I think he could be a bit of a sneaky one. As we alluded to earlier in the podcast, Mahmood's going to go back to England. There's Doggett and there's Sandu. I think McAndrew, with his ability to whack a ball at the end of innings, might get a regular spot in that eleven. He got 91 supercoach points versus Perth this year. Going back to last year, he got a 70 and a 75 against the Renegades, and he also got a 94 against Perth. Renegades and Scorchers are two teams that the Thunder play over rounds 9 and 10. He's someone that they can give some death overs to, some surge overs to. He's one that might be a bit outside the box that I would have a look at. And I know it's a bit pie in the sky and it probably won't happen, but if somehow Mills from the Scorchers could get in one or two games of the double, I did read a little bit of an article saying or alluding to the fact that maybe the seventh could be their potentially flight home. Um, if somehow he could play a couple of games in the double for the Scorchers, there's lots of question marks of weather and all sorts. I know it's pie in the sky, but... Um, maybe a bit selfishly, he's in my teams. It could be a handy pod. 
Yeah, mate, I'm glad you alluded to that uh, just quickly because if they actually do fly home on the 7th, I have got uh, I've got all those English contingent playing through to that round. The only one who would be impacted, well, not necessarily. I mean, we don't know when they're going to leave their camps and whatnot, but the strikers play their second game of the double on the 7th. Um, so up until the 7th, all those players should get their games in. Um, but again, we're just going to have to see what news comes through, so monitor the website and our socials and whatnot. Uh, Maxi, your pod and antipod. Yeah, um, pod for me is Wesley Agar from the Adelaide Strikers. Um, there's a lot of really good reasons um, not to pick him in your team, uh, for even though he's on a double game week. Um, and one of the big reasons is that um, his fast bowling mate in Peter Siddle um, is absolutely dirt cheap um, and probably bowls better overs than Wes. Um, but Wes is owned by 5.5% of people. Um, and even despite the fact he's been dropped um, from their team already after to start to start the season, um, he's just been quietly taking a lot of wickets and, and actually has a, a real-life um, bowling strike rate of uh, 13. So he's taking um, wickets at a better rate yes. than Rashid Khan, Peter Siddle, and anyone um, from the club uh, in Adelaide. Um He's actually probably going to be the most expensive bowler, um, maybe just behind Rashid Khan, who's um, on a big come down from a high of 190k, um, and just a potentially a really really nice pod for their double game week. Um, someone who's always a bit of a sneaky option can be expensive, but does love a wicket. So um, Wesley Agar for a pod. Um, Anti pods are really tough one. Um, I think for me, it's probably going to be trading out someone who otherwise I would be keeping in my team. Um, and there's a couple of guys who I'm looking at. I'm not really sure what to do. But Glenn Maxwell, absolutely stinking it up at the moment. Um, we know that you know he does have a match-winning uh, innings in him, but even in that century, he was dropped um, in the teens by, I think, Lloyd Pope down at fine leg at the MCG and what was a pretty regulation catch at this level. Um, so he just hasn't looked good for, for several rounds now. Um, could be him or Josh Philippi, both really, really high-owned, maybe the most two highest owned players in the comp um, could be departing. Um, I do worry with the Sixers whether um, on a few of their games, not only the Gold Coast uh, for the for the Perth and the Brisbane game tonight, um, which is the, which is the Brisbane game, which is this round, um, but even the fact they've got to be in coughs, I think, this coming weekend as well. Just so much weather around, it just makes it really, really hard to, to trust him. Um, and particularly the fact that I've got um, Joe Clark, who I'll hold, and Ben McDermott at wicket keeper, it sort of makes that spot um, not as bad. And I could try and pivot him with the remaining cash he's got um, into someone with an upcoming double. Very nice. Yeah, Agar wasn't a bloke I was considering, but when he introduced him as Wesley, I got a little bit more excited and he caught my attention. So Wesley might be coming <laughs> with the Stallions. Who knows? Spy. Wesley's a very good player. Can take a wicket, so that's a good shout, Maxi. Um, for me, I 100% had written down here, hold Ben McDermott, uh, for all the reasons that Tim said. Massive hold, and if a heap sell him and he scores another 100, you'll be absolutely laughing. Um, I think just forget about the cash. Just keep him for the season unless you're desperate to upgrade a bunch of dudes. Um, Antipod-wise, I'm thinking of... As I mentioned earlier, avoiding Rashid Khan as my skipper for the Adelaide double. Um, what I will do, this this would be bold, but I've got a sneaky feeling that Matty Short is due. I'm going to put the VC on him. Hope he yeah. goes off in game one. Uh, the only concern is with the Perth double maybe being rained out, that would make, if Short fails, my skipper would have to be a single game weight guy potentially. So we'll see how I'm feeling, but... Um, I just see Rashid potentially scoring around 100 in the double, which is good. Um, maybe maybe Short can go higher. We'll make a decision in the next 24 hours uh, and go from there. Shorty boy. Tomo, anything to add there, mate? Yeah, I just didn't give my antipods, and I'm with you there, Spy. I said Rashid Khan, it'd be very bold not to have him on your side, but there could be some potential of not chucking the VC on him. He's down on what we've expected because we expect such a high standard. For me, it's not so much the bowling, but the batting just seems so out of touch and he doesn't look like producing one of those gems or one of those cameos that we've seen in seasons gone past. And it's strange as well because Adelaide's batting hasn't been the greatest, especially after the 10 over mark. He's kind of had the chance to come in in a power surge and put a little cameo in, but he hasn't done that yet. So he's someone in terms of a VC you could not have a look at. Um, Sanger from the Thunder is my big, bold antipod look. 
He's been really, really good, amazing, getting the little cheeky over there. But I just think I'm just banking on the runs coming to an end and he's pretty pricey for what I would want to pay. And the other one I'd like to hear your boys' thoughts on is more looking at the Hurricanes in the second part of the double games. But Darcy Short, um, he just doesn't seem still to have his timing back. The, from a bowling perspective, the overs seem hit and miss. They've got the three pace bowlers doing a good job. Sandeep seems to get his four. And the fifth bowler is shared between David, Short and Thompson. Yeah, is he someone that you could look to antipod in their double? Yeah, Max, I'll shoot over to you for that one, mate. I haven't owned him all year um, and I haven't missed him. Uh, at all, even though he does still annoyingly, when he fouls with the bat, seem to still take catches and um, occasionally sort of jag a pole. Um, he he's just looked terrible. Um, and, and the school of thought that, you know, form's temporary and class is permanent um, hasn't really looked like um, ever been close to, to being in top form. I think he's only had one good innings this tournament against the Sixers, but that really only was... Um, cashing in late off the back of the work that Matt Way did. Um, I'm very keen to get Spy's thoughts on this, though, because I know that Darcy Short's very much his boy. Yeah, so I've actually dropped him as of last round. Uh, I'm in full I'm in full of grants. He didn't look very good last year. He had a few moments. He's looked terrible this year. Again, outside of a few moments. He just can't rotate the strike. Uh, he gets himself bogged down. He's trying to hit the ball too hard, it seems. So, look... It wouldn't even surprise me if they put him down to bat at five or six and maybe he comes and pinch pinch hits at the end. I don't know, but something's, something is amiss there and maybe he's just past his peak. I'm not sure how old Darcy is, but potentially he's just on a bit of a batter's decline. Uh, I'd love to see him get going again, but yeah, huge concerns. Fair enough, boys. Uh, good discussion there. Hopefully giving listeners plenty to think about on that one. Guys, if you like a punt, check out topsport.com.au, home of the best same-game multi in the business where the odds actually add up. Uh, go and check it out next to the multi-odds of other other betting companies. They absolutely rock and get a lot better value for those. Um, they also provide the unique play performance markets based around fantasy BBL scoring. Been having a ball with those this season. If you are linking up, use the code SC Playbook, 18 plus only, gamble responsibly. A punt from the last podcast was Mitchie Marsh to deliver with 45.5 points. He did that uh, on the back of a few wickets as opposed to his runs. This week, we're going to go with, well, hopefully the game goes ahead tonight with the forecast ahead, but. Uh, we like Mujib to score over 20.5 points. He's clicked into gear a little bit. He was sensational last start. Uh, so Mujib for the heat on that one. Boys, we'll wrap it up with a couple of quick questions. The first one, we've covered a few of them already because we I think we've covered a fair bit this podcast. But from Stephen and Melinda Williams, do we avoid Perth players with the wet weather forecast and load up on Hobart and Thunder players? Uh, we had a good chat about that one. And I know the spy is very much looking at avoiding Perth players. Uh, Maxi was in the camp of having at least sort of one Perth player despite the forecast just to attack those double game weeks but it's a big watch on weather in the next couple of days uh, a question from Jacob Grams I'll throw to you Maxi which strike is quick can you trust whoa trust is not the word I would use with the Adelaide strikers this is this year at all um, but but I think if if there's anything that we've seen um, in the last game without George Garton um, I think you can trust that they will at least get their four overs um, between Wes. Uh, well, let's go with Wesley, um, <laughs> Peter, uh, and uh, our old mate Worrell as well. Um, we Garden out of that side also helps Rashid Khan because he bats higher. Um, I think, if anything, um, we'll see probably a change of tactic for the Adelaide Strikers without Garten, um, and let's assume that he's not going to play either game of the double um, just for the sake of this conversation. Um, I think that Rashid Khan tried to bowl death and bowl surge. It hasn't worked. He got tap. Um, it'll have to fall back to Worrell and Siddle to bowl those overs, um, which you know helps Rashid Khan, but it also you know increases the, the likelihood that those guys may, might uh, take wickets. So, um, yeah, wouldn't trust any of them, but at least they'll bowl their four and get their bonuses. Um, yeah, sneakily love Wesley. Um, just as a bit of a pod for this <laughs> upcoming round, personally. But um, if he doesn't work, don't blame me because, um, yeah, I, 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 I can't trust him as far as I can throw on those strikers. Spy, what are your thoughts on that one? I was just going to add in at the price. 
Peter Siddle's still a really good bowler, um, and that's a really good point Maxie makes about his role. Uh, and if he can bowl a few death overs, a couple of extra wickets at that price, he's probably going to just score you a good, solid double game week total uh, with potential upside, so I don't mind him at all. Tomo, throw to you, mate. And it was a question on that one from Josh Hogan on Dan Worrell. Is he a sneaky pod? Uh, you know, We know his job security's been in and out a little bit, but potentially with Garden leaving, a few other things going on. Is he a sneaky pod or, or is there too much of a risk on job security? Look, he could be one to consider. It really has to look at their lineups and see what's happening there. Um, looking at the lineups beforehand and then seeing what that Perth weather's going to do, it could make a couple of the striker players more enticing. Look, I couldn't say yes or no. I'm going to sit on the fence. It has to be a lineup uh, when the teams are announced for me. Mm. A question from Matt Staples, and it's regarding the with. Mitch Marsh being lost to Australian duties. Does Aaron Hardy come into contention at all or not? What are you asking about that one, Max? Uh, Hardy's a fine player, and I would have said um, prior to the start of this season um, that he was a real sneaky watch um, if he was guaranteed his spot in the lineup. Um, I think what we're seeing is that the Scorchers don't really need um, he's bowling that much, but yeah, he's every chance to roll the arm over maybe for one or two, particularly if someone like a hats of glue gets tap um, or one of the bowlers gets injured. Um, batting wise, I think six is pretty hard in a team with so much batting quality. Um, it's not like last year when a number six like Dan Christian was often coming in during collapses for the sixes and saving the day. Um, so I think the likelihood of him going out there and um, scoring 20s isn't super high, but um, absolutely you could take a punt at the price um, and it could be a really, really good pickup. Tomo, any love for Hardy? Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, boys, but against that game against the Stars, he didn't roll the arm over for one over and that would concern me uh, going forward. Yeah, I think that's it. I think we need to see him have a bowl against the Stars um, but again, I don't think it'll impact it too much. But we know Mills is likely leaving. We don't know exactly when. Um, not exactly a like for like replacement with a part timer from a, a frontline quick. But there's just so much changing going on at the moment. So roles are going to be huge. Of course, the Scorchers are in the next round double, so we won't know. But you'd think if he was uh, fit to bowl, he might have had an over or two by this stage of the tournament. Last question from Rex: Do you have any information on? And when any of the fringe test squad players that don't make the test team might return to the BBL, e.g. Marsh, Nisa, Boland, Swepson, etc. Thanks again. Uh, not a lot of information. What we can give you is that the Hobart test, I believe, starts on around about the 14th of January. So that'll run through to the, what's that, 18th? 18th, yeah, I've got that one right. Uh, and then Supercoach Big Bash finishes, I think it might be the 18th as well, the final round starts. So... There might be a little bit of chance of overlapping, but I think it would be the last game of the Supercoach regular season. Um, sorry, the Supercoach season in general. So it's not something I'd be accounting for. If that final week we get any of these guys back and they're at no ownership, uh, we might be able to get them in. But uh, don't bank on them coming back this season uh, with any confidence. Fellas, terrific job there for our Round nine ten podcast. Maxi, thank you very much, mate. Pleasure as always, boys. Thanks to all the listeners as well. Spy, big as always. Cheers, boys. Talk soon, eh? And thank you, Tomo. Thanks, boys. Good luck to our sides over the next week or so. All right. Cheers, guys. Thanks for tuning in.